Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Outkick 360 is back alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us as we broadcast live from Blackbird Studio. The Blackbird Academy is where you can find us. Subscribe on YouTube. Share on Facebook. Give us a retweet on Twitter if you're following us there at Outkick 360. Big show planned. But right off the top, a great offer from FanDuel.com slash OK360 right now. Great odds, 30 to 1 odds available right now for new users. $5 can win you $150. Restrictions apply. FanDuel.com slash OK360 for that great offer right now on the NCAA tournament. What's up, guys? It's good to be back. It's like we were just here yesterday or something. And we were. Yeah. Quite a dud of a day yesterday after the uh, anticipation that the great weekend created and everything. And then... We didn't get uh, the quality of games that we had become accustomed to. And then I was pissed that we saw a resurrection of what I thought was a dead team in Creighton. I was, I was turned off after Creighton won yesterday. I, I didn't even watch it. face it, Paul, you hate Omaha, Nebraska. That's your biggest problem with Creighton. Well, I don't like Creighton being in the Big East. Uh, you know, we, we always have this debate. None, none of the geography of conferences means anything anymore. Um, we wish they did. Yeah. <laughs> No, but um, also they were they were dead, and you know, like the Ohio story. I know Hutton uh, was riding with Ohio. I certainly was rooting with Ohio. I said I wasn't going to bet anymore, and then I kept getting back in and back in and back in and everything. I was only throwing a little bit last night, but none of my rooting interests or betting interests came to fruition. So I'm ready for Sweet 16. I, I, yesterday was not a good finish to what had been a great three days. Day four was really mediocre at best. Zags advance over Oklahoma. They're terrific. Put up 87. I, I mentioned yesterday they remind me a lot of the Kansas City Chiefs, where you can you can hope to <laughs> get within reach, but your offense better be able to keep up because your defense can only do so much. That was the case yesterday with Oklahoma. It was a nice start for the Sooners. Uh, they did a decent job in the second half trying to fight their way back in it, but Gonzaga is going to put up 80 to 90 points throughout this tournament. Uh, now they get Creighton, as Paul mentioned. USC just smokes Kansas. The third worst loss ever for the Jayhawks basketball program. Worst in the tournament. And, Chad, this got ugly quick. It was close to the no quick. contest from VCU. I mean, it was, it was one of those games where Kansas just couldn't put the ball in the basket. I mean, it was really that simple early on, and USC took advantage. Um, I had USC in the Sweet 16 in my bracket, so happy about that. How about the Pac-12? And their success in this tournament and then the Big Ten, I mean, it's pretty easy to look at tournament results and say Big Ten way overrated, 
Pac-12 way underrated coming into this tournament, especially what Oregon did, dismantling Iowa yesterday. Um, it was, like you said, Paul, one good game, really, was LSU-Michigan. Outside of that, it was uh, a bunch of snooze fests in the tournament yesterday. Here's the thing about Creighton. <laughs> one thing that keeps driving me crazy, hearing Timmy's name. I keep that, you know, I, I, talk, I joke all the time about little Timmy. Well, right. He's certainly not little. He's not little. But hearing a guy called Timmy repeatedly is still take a huge adjustment for me because I feel like they're saying, Timmy! Yes. Well, with Gonzaga, and Hutton, you nailed it yesterday, they're clearly the best team in the tournament. When you're rooting for a team to w- lose by single digits, right? they only had one game all year where they won by less than double digits. So when you're thinking, can Oklahoma keep it within 10 against Gonzaga, um, that's when you know they're the best team in the tournament. I'll say this also, and I don't think there's any SEC bias with me on this, and there's certainly no bias for Alabama. I think it's very clearly Gonzaga and Alabama are the two best teams in the country right now. They're, the two, they're the two best teams in this tournament. Baylor certainly has been impressive also so far. But I just watch Alabama, and I think, first off, Nate Oates, terrific coach, but also think it's the perfect marriage of system with personnel. And it's only year two with Nate Oates. Can he consistently do this? I think he can. But it's not often you're going to have the perfect group of players that perfectly understand their role, and it marries perfectly with the way you've coached your whole career going back to Romulus High School in Detroit, Michigan, when you look at Nate Oates. And I watch that Alabama team, and I think, uh, it's going to be great when you see that Alabama-Gonzaga matchup eventually. You know what we didn't hear once about Gonzaga this season during the undefeated, during the not losing. Did you say not lose by single digits? They only, they only one lost time. once. And that was BYU, was that BYU in the, the championship game. We didn't hear one time how healthy it would be for them to lose a game to take the pressure off, which we always hear about an undefeated team or team marching to big success in March Madness. It'd be really good to take the pressure off, get a loss, learn how to deal with it, all of that stuff. We didn't hear any of this. Uh, it'd be good for them to be in a tight game so they, they know how to play. Does anybody have any doubt that they would be fine in a tight game? Does anybody have any doubt that uh, like not having been in a tight game is going to be a problem for them? I, I have or doubt. not having lost is going to be a I, problem for them? I think them? there are a lot of people with doubt. I, I have doubt schedule. because they haven't been pushed. Yep. They haven't faced any pressure this year. I would like to see that they may not get there. I don't honestly. feel like they're going to panic. They, they in may a tight be game. double digits ahead in the second half of every right. game in this tournament, but if it's if they're down four with eight minutes left in a game, or it's a tight game in the last five minutes. We don't really know how they're going to react because they haven't been in a pressure-packed situation like that. Um, again, I think it's, it's shaping up to be Gonzaga, Alabama, in the national semi in the Final Four, the way both those teams are playing. And then do you get Baylor in the national championship game? Those are teams that certainly could play close yeah. with Gonzaga. I'm, I'm not worried about that. I, I mean, they may lose, but I'm not worried that they're going to lose because they're going to panic when all of a sudden somebody's close. They are very refined talented basketball team. So I don't I don't see them choking away a game. They might get beat. You know, because good basketball teams get beat. But I, I don't think they're going to get beat out of a crumble situation. I think, though, whenever you have a team that it is clear that it's their, theirs to lose, we would all agree this is Gonzaga's tournament Absolutely. to lose and national championship to lose. It is also easy in that respect to say the pressure's on them. And it is. So when that pressure legitimately is on them in a game, how do they respond? I'm with you. I think they'll respond fine. I, I, I see no evidence 
of a team that's going to crack under that pressure. But this is theirs to lose. I think of UNLV that year they were undefeated and lost to Duke in the national semi. I think it was 1991, maybe. You know, they were going for back-to-back. They won in 90, came back in 91. They were undefeated. They lose in the semi. And they ended up getting beat, I think, pretty handily in that game. But that was one of those teams that you knew it was theirs to lose. The thought was with this group of players, with this team, it's on them. So when that happens, does the pressure get to Gonzaga? I don't think so. I hope not. I want them to win this tournament, but it's definitely something to watch. The Pac-12 run, Chad, you mentioned, uh, what can this run do for that conference? How important is a, is a tournament run for the Pac-12? We're, we're focused on what the Big Ten has done and what they have not done through this tournament, where Michigan remains. But the Pac-12, they have nine wins in ten games. They have seven wins by double digits. They have four teams in the Sweet 16, and they've won seven games uh, by double digits, including their 12 seed and their 11 seed, with UCLA advancing. UCLA now gets Alabama, who we're discussing as one of the top teams of the tournament. The other one's Oregon. Oregon, who didn't play in the first round because of the no contest, no sign of that yesterday, as they, they cruise in their game. And Iowa is one of those teams that. I felt like the whole world was high on, right? Iowa was one of the teams that a lot of people felt like could could be a breakthrough team in the tournament that didn't Oh, well, Luke Garza coming back. And, yeah. and well, he, he, he was great post-game, by the way. And their strategy seemed to be let him have his and make sure nobody else gets theirs. And well, it worked very well. So here's my question. We're going to talk a lot on this show about recency bias and how we don't like it. But everybody what, falls. What will degree. recency bias do to next year's selection process? Nothing. Will it take a spot or two away from the Big Ten? Will it add a spot or two to the Pac-12? I don't want it to do either of those things, and here's why. Next year we're going to have a legitimate non-conference schedule, right. non-pandemic. So these conferences are going to have a chance to schedule big in the non-conference and prove their worth leading up to the start of conference play in January. If you do that, you're, that's how you're going to know who the good conferences are. How does the SEC perform in non-conference? How does the Big Ten? How does the Pac-12? How do they schedule? Are they scheduling tough enough? Those things that we'll know. But I always see things like this, and, oh, the Big Ten's overrated and the Pac-12's underrated. And I think, please, for the love of God, don't come back next year now. And let's not start the season with some forced narrative that, well, the Pac-12 got screwed out of a couple bids a year ago because they were undervalued. And the Big Ten got way too many. Let's not do that. Because next year we're going to have an actual non-conference season to watch. Well, the other thing, too, no matter what we sit here and say right now, the selection committee, the, the ten members that make up that group, they can say all they want about how much basketball they watch in a year. They're watching more East Coast basketball. Yep. That's They're just awake. how it goes. Most so the recency bias is going to be in February and March of 2022. It's not going to be in 2021, March now, of the tournament and how things receded now. It's going to be what happened leading into the conference tournament and the selection Sunday next year. I also, that, that's where the recency bias will play in. I also think this year, whether it was a Big Ten, Pac-12, whoever, the, the conference that had several very good teams, and I think it's completely reasonable to say the Big Ten had several very good teams. Michigan was very good. Illinois was very good. Ohio State was very good through the regular season. 
Yes. That you were going to lean towards that conference because the rest of the teams in that conference, when you're judging teams mostly on conference schedule, played those teams. Yeah. Right? So your schedule is tougher because what we have to judge you on is predominantly conference schedule, and you're in the conference with those very good teams. So if the Big East had had the best teams, if the Pac-12 had had the best teams, if the Big 12 had had the best teams, we would have thought that about those conferences. I fell for it in a big way, right? I thought Wisconsin and Purdue and, and these other Big Ten schools were going to be good in the tournament because they had played the best teams during the season. I fell flat on my face with that estimation. And not only did those schools not fare particularly well, but Ohio State was quickly out, and Illinois was quickly out, and they're not around for the Sweet 16. Who's left? Michigan, and that it? So Michigan's it. That they're, they're carrying the banner for the Big Ten. But I don't so, think it was an unreasonable way to think, not just my way in Wisconsin and Purdue, but certainly you were expecting, right, Michigan and Ohio State and Illinois. If you picked those three teams to be in the Sweet 16, that was not an unreasonable pick. By, by any means. Those were three of the very best teams in the country through most of the season. Well, let me give you a very reasonable way to think because this is what small conference mid-major guy is going to have you believe and want you to believe, and maybe it's true. We all agree that Loyola Chicago was underseeded. Absolutely. Eight. They're better than an eight seed, right? Ohio State was a two seed. If we want to go with recency bias of tournament performance, Ohio State was 21-9. and nine. Loyola Chicago was 24-4. and four. Do we think Loyola Chicago is good enough to finish second in the Big Ten, playing yes. the Big Ten schedule this year? Yeah. I would agree. Based on what we've seen. And, and to so be fair, I, I, I that's think Loyola. Based on two games that we've watched. I think right. Loyola could have been a two seed in this tournament, is my but point. To be, fair, to be fair, experts were saying Loyola Chicago was underseeded coming into the tournament. This isn't just us saying it after the tournament. And I didn't see a bit of Loyola Chicago during the season. But. When the field came out, Clark Kellogg and other smart people were saying Loyola Chicago was underseeded, probably by at least. Also, two no nine. one was saying Ohio State was overseeded. No one. As a two seed, no. no one was up in arms that Ohio State was a two seed at 21 and 9 with what they did in the Big Ten, the wins they had. Right. But my, my point being, if we're really going to have this true meritocracy, which is what we love about the NCAA tournament, no matter where you come from, what your budget is, how big your conference is, everyone gets a shot, and it's one and done, right? You get one chance to go out there and prove your worth, and you get to do it time and time again if you keep winning. We love the tournament for that reason. Are we going to get closer to a system where a Loyola Chicago is not an eight seed? I think that is the case study. Yesterday I brought up, can Loyola become the Gonzaga of the Midwest in the city of Chicago? Now the next step is let's maybe look at Ohio State in a different way. And Loyola Chicago in a well, different way. What was way. the possession? But there's no way to know if they're not playing the, a Big Ten schedule. What That's was the, the problem. progression for the Zags? The Zags aren't playing a Pac-12 schedule, right? So what was the progression for them getting up, not to number one now, but what was the progression in their 20-year build for them getting not an 11? Gonzaga or not? became a high-profile game for Tennessee for Michigan State, Kansas. for Duke, and their for seeds. Kansas, and their for tournament seeds. What was the progression of their tournament seeds, if you had to guess, when they started to become again? A five, they they a started four, to become that when, when they well, they won their league every the year. We yeah. know that. 1999, right. I think it was with Dan Dickow, with Dan Monson as the coach, they made that Sweet 16 run. And other than being John Stockton's alma mater, no one knew Gonzaga at that point. 
So we're looking at a 22-year run-up to this possible undefeated season. I would say 10 years into that run, you know, you knew early, we think of Belmont and Nashville. When you play Belmont, it's going to be a heck of a game. And it's going to be a good win if you beat them in the non-conference. But they're Gonzaga of 15 years ago right now, right. Of, of 10, 12 years ago. Except Belmont loses in their conference tournament too often yeah. to yes. be Gonzaga. What was but, Butler's but Gonzaga, second year? But here's my point we I'm getting to, to with Gonzaga. So with Gonzaga, they became Gonzaga because they became a destination scheduling. When Tennessee was going to play Gonzaga this year and that game got wiped off the books, that was terribly disappointing to Tennessee who wanted a shot at the West Coast Conference and Gonzaga because they knew it was going to bolster their ranking just by playing Gonzaga. The moment they reached that threshold where Coach K and Bill Self and UCLA and Arizona and all these schools wanted to play Gonzaga because they knew it would help them in their RPI or now their net ranking or whatever they're calling it, that's when Gonzaga became Gonzaga. Well, here's Gonzaga by C, just running down through it Terrific. from 1999 to now. 10, 12, 6, 9, 2, 3, 3. So they jump up to that 2 and when 3 seed two by two? 2003. That's five years in. So that's of, pretty good. Of making it. In the round prior, they they won one game in the tournament as a 9 seed. So that could happen for uh, for. Well, the, the case study is not Gonzaga. It's Butler. Butler made it I'm up to a 5. Butler. Yep. They made it up to a 5 after making a run. VCU got as high as what whenever they made their run to the final four? Butler was a 4 in 2017. As a four seed, so yeah. they've been they've been right there at that line. That's next for for Loyola for Chicago. Chicago. Well, and Butler also went to a better conference. You know, when Butler elevated yeah. to the Big East, now then suddenly they're in a bigger conference. So they've got a chance at a top four seed every year, as opposed to what the Horizon League when they started their run. I think they were in the Horizon League at the time. So once they made that jump, now, that really helped them. What happened to Butler and VCU? They lost their coaches. Yep. What happens with Porter Moser now at Loyola Chicago? He's making over a million a year. He turned down, what was it, St. John's he turned down a couple of years ago, maybe two years ago. And now the question is, is Indiana going to wait on him? You know, is the, are they going to make a play for Porter Moser? Or does he stay? You know, does he stay and continue to coach right there at Loyola? So Butler was a five in 2010 when they went to the final the first time. They were eight in 2011 when they made their repeat and then there were four in 2017 when they went to the sweet 16. So I, I don't think I don't think we're seeing anything that's been unfair to Loyola Chicago based on no, where they I, I are either. right now as a program. I don't either and, and the fact that they're in the sweet and 16 they don't care you know that they, sure. they were an eight seed to start. Well so. they've got I mean look, looking at their schedule they've got Oregon State Saturday to tip off all the Sweet 16 action. Completely winnable. And then they take on Syracuse or Houston if they win. It's a for fair the chance pass. to go to the Final I Four. I think they're going back to the Final yeah. Four. I, I think, think they're going to get to the second I Final Four. I think Houston's a lot weaker than I uh, expected based on what I saw the first weekend. But Hutton, you hit on something. Syracuse is a problem, conceivably. Let's say they That'd get to a, a second Final game. Four. I'd what like happens with that? Porter Moser? Does Porter Moser say no right. to Indiana? Is he Mark Few? Coming? And then if he does leave. Well, if he's Mark Few, he's going to no, make three million a year. He's not Mark Few. Get that eventually. The next guy is Mark Few. Dan Monson leaves for a bigger job. Mark Few takes over and says no to everyone. How's it gone for Including Dan the NBA. Brad Stevens leaves for the NBA. Who comes in next? Chris Holtzman. Ohio State comes calling quickly. Right. He's out. Now you're turning over Butler coaches left and right at Butler, and Butler's not the same. So even if, if Porter Moser leaves, 
do they elevate an assistant on his staff that says, this is my job the rest of my coaching career now? now to me, Fute, that's the key to become Gonzaga. Fute didn't get the $3 million right away, though. It took, it took some He some got a bumped over a million progress. a year, just like Porter Moser just did. Yeah. Then he got then bumped he got up bumped $2 million dollars a year to three. Well, I would say, and we talked about this some yesterday, for what a sweet, another Sweet 16 appearance is doing for Loyola Chicago, if that school wants what it's getting out of this, which goes far beyond basketball in terms of national profile, Absolutely. applicants, and all of that, this is putting you on the map in remarkable ways. Look, we hear about this a lot for, for big schools, for SEC schools and all of that. Look, you're on the map already. I, I mean, I understand what being in the Final Four of football and all of that does for a university. But, but it's not taking you from nowhere to somewhere. For Loyola Chicago, in terms of a national profile, this takes you from nowhere to somewhere, right? There right. are kids all over the country in high school who've never heard of this program, guidance counselors, quite frankly, who've never steered a kid there before, who now have the pamphlet on their desk in a, in a different place on the stack on their desk than they did before. True? And so is that worth two extra million dollars a year for your basketball coach, who's now your chief recruiter? Not basketball recruiter. Your chief recruiter, period. I mean, now, I think I'm not saying go give him the buzzer that, that Saban has to control all university things. But in terms of growing They're not your have university, to. Indiana could do that. Yeah. Yep. I'm saying, in terms of growing your university, <laughs> is it worth an extra two million dollars a year? Well, I don't know their finances. Indiana but will do yeah. that also. Right. But, but also, you have to match that. I, ask anyone who went to Gonzaga or who's a fan of that program. They would argue Mark Few's not getting paid enough. Whatever he's getting paid, he may not be getting paid enough. Loyola people are going to be seeing this, saying the same about Porter Moser. It's also a lot about what kind of guy he is, and I'm sure Porter, Porter Moser is a fantastic guy. But, you know. Was his dad a military guy who w was on 15 different bases when he was growing up? Or was his dad like Mark Few's dad, who was a pastor of the same church for his entire life? And so he saw him and said, I could be at the same place my entire life and be wonderfully happy like my dad was. There are all kinds of ingredients that go into it that we're not necessarily thinking about it that could be eminently important sure. to him based on how he grew up, what his family's like, and there's nothing wrong with one or the other. Headlines out there today. We'll get into Deshaun Watson uh, as the uh, accusations continue to mount. Now 14 civil lawsuits filed. Uh, we'll get into the details of what's going on with the Texans quarterback uh, and the accusations to, to be considered that are being considered by the Houston District Attorney from civil to what could be potentially uh, criminal. Also, Watching Will Wade last night, so many questions about the LSU program and the NCAA investigation that continues, continues to go on uh, involving that case with Dawkins, Christian Dawkins, from how many years ago now, Chad? This was 2015, no, 2017. And more the wiretap. 2017, more details added on in 2019. Uh, craziness. We'll, we'll get into Will Wade and what we think the NCAA was thinking as LSU fell last night to Michigan. And a lot more throughout the show. The Tennessee Hour, of course, coming up at the top of the hour. When we come back, though, your reaction. At Outkick360 on Twitter is where you can find us. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Give us a retweet if you're watching on Twitter through the Periscope feed right now. Share the post on Facebook. Outkick360 on the Outkick Network.
Outkick 360 on the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. If you're watching on an Amazon device, simply ask Alexa to search Outkick on YouTube. You'll be able to find us there, and I'm told you can play our program in the background if you have an Amazon listening device. So check us out there. Search us on YouTube. Subscribe there. Uh, as well as find us on the podcast, wherever you download your podcast, immediately following today's show. FanDuel.com slash OK360, 30 to 1 odds today and this week for new users. Just opt in, and with that first deposit, 30 to 1 odds, restrictions apply, but you bet $5, you can win 150 FanDuel.com slash OK360, it's a great deal. So, one of the things that hit me last night is Twitter is constantly asking the question whenever they see LSU, how does Will Wade still have a job? It's one of the most frequently asked questions when we see the Tigers play. We know that the wiretap investigation happened over two years ago where the news came out that Will Wade had made a, quote, strong-ass offer, and that was caught on, on tape in a phone call with Christian Dawkins. Um, and this goes in, in line with other universities that have been investigated that are still under investigation. But if you listen and watch that broadcast on CBS, it has been so long throughout this process, not one time, not once, do they bring this up on air for the NCAA tournament. And what is a massive storyline behind the scenes where we have yet to hear anything from this process, from the NCAA and this FBI investigation. And again, these things take time, but for all the talk of why does Will Wade still have a job, the answer is because the NCAA allows it. They sit there and put this tournament on. They're willing to later vacate a victory or a tournament run for a team in exchange for them making a run now and profiting off of it. That is why Will Wade still has a job. This really bothers me. So. This is a CBS in bed with NCAA thing, I think, more than anything else. But ESPN is to blame for this also. Bruce Pearl had a barbecue that was early, and they spent a season showing a timeline during every Tennessee broadcast. And that Will Wade story went away so quickly on all of these broadcasts. It is infuriating well, not, to me not to see how differently it was treated. Well, since then, since then ESPN has reported They've uncovered 11 different examples of Wade offering a player or someone associated with a player impermissible benefits. That was since the wiretap. I, I'm not going to act like I'm morally outraged that a college basketball either. coach would pay someone. But here, here's and I'm going to get to the broader point of all of this. And I completely agree with you, Hutton, in what you're saying. Will Wade got a pass from all the networks. Bruce Pearl, for whatever reason, got no passes for having a damn barbecue a little bit early. <laughs> Will Wade is on tape making a strong-ass offer to a player. And, and LSU fans are going to tweet me now and say, oh, we don't know what the offer meant. It could have been better room and board. And blah, blah. It's money. Yeah. It's money. We're all not idiots. We know that it was money. It was a cash offer he made to a player, oh, by the way, who is still starring for LSU this year. Yes who at the time was thought to be a one-and-done, and he's still a star at LSU. It infuriates me. And again, I'm not the moral outrage police with all of this. And I'm not someone who roots for the NCAA to win. But if any program and coach deserve to be kneecapped by the NCAA 
more than LSU, I don't know one that exists. They need to be done. Scholarships erased. Games vacated. Penalties moving forward. Will Wade needs to be coaching at a damn junior college in Wyoming next year. I don't have any clue how these networks will go on and not bring up the fact that Will Wade is guilty. I feel like Kevin Spacey now at a time to kill. It's guilty, guilty, guilty. It's it's ridiculous. But I do think... You got me fired up. It, I do think it's somewhat reflective of the audience. Not that this is the right thing, because I believe that networks and news outlets are obligated to feed people their broccoli, um, whether they want their broccoli or not, at times. And this is one of those situations, Right. You, you have to have a dose of broccoli with the LSU story while you're watching LSU play two games in the thing. But the fact of the matter is, right or wrong, people are sick of long, drawn-out stories about NCAA violations. We've reached our saturation point. Unless you're with playing it. that team. Uh, yeah, correct. We've reached our saturation point with it, and we don't care. Chad, unfortunately... The Bruce Pearl thing was before we had reached our saturation point, and we still cared, and we still had moral outrage about it, even though it was just a barbecue. And so they put up the timeline during every Tennessee game. That's one of the things that got us to our saturation point because we said, my God, it's just a barbecue, and we're looking at the timelines. And finally they heard the disgruntled fans on this and said, you know what, we probably need to scale this back because people, our viewers are telling us, and we're hearing that they don't want an NCAA TikTok during their football game. By the way, and what so Bruce Pearl's accused of at Auburn back. is much worse yeah. in his program. He's on and FBI wiretap, not him personally, but his assistants, and, and they're not talking about he's that He's off either. the hook on that, too. Generally speaking, all of these though. things have been tamped down. Well, it's I his think, football program, too. I think yeah. self-imposed bull because band. people have grown tired of them. Now, this is not a good rationale. But it's the case with almost everything. We have a a certain degree of moral outrage over these things, and then our attention span has gotten shorter and shorter. We get tired more and more easily, and so we say, enough. Like, we understand something bad's going on there, but we're simply tired of it, and we want to watch the tournament. And so Will Wade's done something terrible, we know it, and it's over there in the background. But for the time being, we're, we're watching LSU against Michigan. We have some money on it, and we want a, a close game between uh, the purple team and the gold team. I, I don't think that – and you say, you know, Will Wade's done something terrible. I don't think he's done anything terrible. I think he's done with a lot of coaches. I think well, Bill you know Self. I, mean. I think Bill Self probably doing the same exact thing. Well, Kansas, wrong. Louisville, Arizona, USC, Auburn. all implicated in this. Auburn. Auburn, yeah. Right. So the more that are implicated, the the less we care because it's the everybody's doing it thing. I, I'm not. I don't abide by that. But I think most people have come to accept it well, to the, a degree. The difference. Right? The College difference football players is, get paid. We all know that. The difference and we don't is the parties have care. agreed to accept it until the FBI, FBI comes back with their results. And they can fire him with cause. Remember, Will Wade refused to meet with LSU, and so they suspended him. Yeah. And then they came to an agreement. Lies. They came to an agreement. Okay, you're, we're going to reinstate you, 
as long as you agree not to sue us if we fire you with cause because of level one or level two infractions. That was two years ago. And now they just wait. They celebrated against face. Vanderbilt in a blowout win as they won the SEC tournament, a year that Tennessee finished, or regular season, I should say, Tennessee finished second or third that year to, in Kentucky as well. And you have LSU. Uh, and again, they're not the only school doing it. But it's just like, yeah, let's just continue to do this until we're found guilty. And then once it's guilty, and I, I agree with them, these, all of these wins, all of this will be remembered as victories. This goes down in the pocketbook as a victory for the basketball program and for the NCAA, who profits billions off of this. CBS profits tons off of this. Meanwhile, they want to trot this out there like they're big and bad, and they're going against the grain saying, we're going to put a stop to this, when they honestly really don't want to. They, if they did, this wouldn't be allowed to happen. Well, I agree. Right. And the, one of the big issues here, with every, and this is a problem with virtually everything, like I understand due process and being thorough and all of that stuff, but the, the timetables on these things never have any sense of urgency. Like, give me an end date. Give me a day that you determined to get well, this finished by so you can clean things up. So there aren't a bunch of results on the books that ultimately that's, don't count. That's where LSU takes advantage of that. Absolutely. They know it's going to be a six or seven-year process. So they're going to run up in as many wins as possible in six or seven wins with this great roster that they bought. Some of these kids will so they're have gonna, a, they're gonna be well doing that their as, pro career. As long as they can. We're going to have our first on-air sneeze here with all the allergies and problems <laughs> going on, by the way. Which it's a moment great. we've all been waiting for. It's, I almost had one yesterday. Are real today. I fought it off. Can you fight it off? It's happening. Can my, you fight it off? My eyes will Quick get red. Question. My eyes will get red throughout the show because I'm fighting it. off uh, fighting a sneeze. Off. I'm going to do my best to fight it off. But it's a calculated risk, so right? So if you're Will Wade, you're going to come in and say, and LSU, we'll let the NCAA go seven or eight years till they come down with a ruling, and we're going to win and as much as possible now. My Fine. issue is this, though. Those guys are long gone. We all understand that you know there are shortcuts taken, and you live in the gray in college sports, and rules are going to be bent. My problem, though, is when you're outright just laughing at the rules and you're competing against schools that may get gray with the rules just like you do, but at least act interested in abiding by the rules and take it seriously when caught red-handed, that's, that's not a level playing field. right? If everyone reacted like Tennessee reacted to allegations, then you would say, well, they're throwing the book at themselves, so everyone should do that. Or if they reacted like LSU reacted and said, we don't care about the NCAA, they have no authority, and went about their business and their lives, well, then everyone should react that way, and there should be no NCAA. I just have a problem when there's this disparate response to both. One's caught doing something, another's caught doing something. This program decides to fire their coaches, self-report the NCAA, self-impose bans. Hell, LSU even put a bowl ban on this season. Right. Granted, when they sucked, they decided to put that ban in. Auburn did the same thing, but yet on basketball, we're just going to let this guy coach and, and win games in the tournament. I don't get any of it, and it infuriates me how different this story's been covered than some other things that and aren't nearly as egregious. Again, it's not just an LSU problem. No. This is not a. I think Will Wade's a, a good coach. Uh, I thought they played too much of an NBA style uh, in some sets last night, especially down the stretch where they just spread it out, give it to their two best players, and try to attack the rim. My favorite. But you know, and I thought they they were out executed by Michigan. But they're, they're not the only program that's done it. They have now shown us the way. They've shown us that if you just deny, 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 
and come to a compromise as a university and a program and a coach, as long as you're willing to do it the dirty way and go win, the NCAA is going to take their time and so will the FBI. This is an FBI investigation. Christian Dawkins is out on appeal. He was sentenced to a year in federal prison, and he's out on appeal right now, still working as a sports agent. Parlay Sports is the name of his company. So, like, there's, this is still going on. And meanwhile, CBS, ESPN, it just refuses to mention anything about it. And our Twitter timeline is filled with it from SEC fans galore. How does Will Wade still have a job? The answer is because the NCAA allows it to go on. And, and they, they, they will and they profit know, off of and it. And LSU knows how to game it perfectly, like you said. They, 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 they're perfectly well, I don't know that they know. I mean, they clearly didn't know how to game it well enough to not get caught by the FBI. Yeah. So they were talking about things over the phone they shouldn't have been talking about. But at about. this stage, they know how to. They just to don't, game, they don't care. Yeah. That's the difference is they're taking the approach of come at us. Come get us. See what you can do. They're daring the NCAA to do something. And the NCAA is going to take another four years before they decide anything. Because they want everything done with the FBI and all. They want someone else to do the work for them, then they come in later. Again, just look at that compared to Tennessee, where Tennessee did all the work for the NCAA. They invited them in and said, we've got investigators. We're, we're paying a hey, million dollars on to lawyers. You want to have someone in on a Zoom call? You can ask your question afterward. We're going to get it all out there and hand it over to you. It's two completely different ways to look at it. But it, at the end of all of this, if both are treated the same or close to the same by the NCAA, the NCAA needs to be eradicated. There's no need in ever listening or abiding by what they say again. And if I'm the University of Tennessee, I'm going to the NCAA and saying, guess what? That was your last shot to know anything about us. We're not inviting you in on anything. If we're doing anything, you're going to be the last to know well, about it. There's no incentive. Because that, that's the message. What's the incentive? Like, what's the lesson? Be, be forthright. If you've got two kids and you give one kid a Reese's cup, every time they act up, and you slap the other kid on the hand when they do something right, what's the lesson going to be when those kids grow up? What's going to be the lesson when those kids grow up and have college basketball programs? The lesson's going to be, I get rewarded by playing outside the rules. That's the NCAA's predicament here. How they handle LSU and how they handle Tennessee and football is going to show a lot about what they want to be moving forward. They have a chance to give Tennessee a pass. Tennessee can impose their own punishment, make it a bowl ban, make it whatever, and move on because they did it all the right way. And they got a chance to hammer LSU for doing it all the wrong way. What are they going to do? Here's my guess. It's going to be about the same. They're going to penalize what both programs done, the same, and the message is going to be all off. What they've done, I think, to all of us is they've angered us not because of the violation but because of the hypocrisy, the expectation of the hypocritical nature of the NCAA and how they go about handling these things. And what happened in the meantime at Arizona? Like, the, the other thing is, like, I don't know what's got a bow on it and a conclusion and what doesn't. Well, they, they were just – Arizona just, what, a handful of months ago, Chad, handed their notice from the NCAA on the, the findings of Discovery or their notification or whatever it was. Yeah, and Sean Miller's the other one that – you know, is people are asking the question, this guy still has a job also, along with Will Wade, with some of the things that he's been uh, accused of in this investigation. I think, I think the NCAA, with the help of the FBI, when you draw these things out, when there's ultimately a conclusion, it's not as big a story, right? Because we lose our focus and our attention. Hutton, we're bringing this back up because, in large part, 
The network hasn't talked about it because it hasn't been brought up. So the longer it goes, the more it fades, the less attention it gets, and the, the, the scandal is minimum. So it was just, I said months ago, I, the story I pulled up was the, the level one charges were coming in a few weeks. This was from two months ago. And then on March 5th is when the NCAA handed down five level one charges against Arizona. And none of us remembers that. Was that a big story? Now, we were off the air at that time. Right. We probably would have come across and talked about it during the course of a long show. But that wasn't a big, there was no big splash about that, right? But at the time when Arizona did those things, it was a big deal. So what happens in all that time? Fades, 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 right? Well, and there was a lot of talk last night on social media about, boy, the second half officiating was rough on LSU. And, you know, maybe the NCAA wasn't going to allow LSU to beat Michigan and continue on. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> LSU's mere existence in college basketball yeah. is thumbing its nose at the NCAA. The fact that they were invited to this tournament to begin with. And granted, they're a great team. I thought right. they had a great shot at beating Michigan. It's not like they didn't deserve to be there team. based on on-court play and how good of a team they were. But their mere existence has already defeated the NCAA. The fact that they're there in the tournament is already defeating the NCAA. Hit us up on Twitter, at OutKick360. You can like and follow the show there as well. Share, if you're watching on Facebook Live, share the post. Uh, we're trying to grow the show as we begin our week two here on the OutKick OTT network. You can do it there. You can also subscribe to the YouTube page. And if you're using an Amazon device, just search, uh, ask Alexa to search OutKick on YouTube. It'll pop up right there for you. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Uh, the new offer for new users right now, $5 can win you $150, 30 to 1 odds, restrictions apply. You can sign up as a new user right now across the state of Tennessee and 10 other, uh, 10 states across the country with FanDuel, fanduel.com slash OK360. Coming up, the latest with Deshaun Watson, where attorney Tony Busby says he has 24 women that have come forward with accusations against the current Texans quarterback. 14 civil lawsuits have now been filed. The details coming up on OutKick 360. We are live with OutKick 360 from the Blackbird Studio and the Blackbird Academy state-of-the-art facility with nine recording studios right here in Nashville. We're in Studio G. There's over 14,000 square feet of rehearsal space here, plus a state-of-the-art academy. If you are a student wanting to get into the business, if you love audio, studio production, audio engineering, if you want to be on the road, on tour, they can help you. TheBlackbirdAcademy.com, the website for more on information on how to enroll in everything that Blackbird here in Nashville has to offer with John McBride and his wonderful state-of-the-art staff. Uh, glad everyone's with us today. If you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, like and share the feed. If you're listening in Knoxville, appreciate Fan Run Radio uh, being on board with us, Fox Sports Knoxville, as our first affiliate for Outkick 360. Had our first night last night yeah. in Knoxville on Fox Sports Knoxville. So big thanks to those guys. Great feedback there as well. Um, 14 civil lawsuits have now been filed through attorney Tony Busby for Texans quarterback 
Deshaun Watson for sexual assault. Really no good way to segue from our no, radio affiliate no. to this story, but you did a magnificent job yeah. doing so. Well, so you just it, roll right into it. As this continues to mount, there's now, according to Busby, uh, 24 women in total have come forward with accusations. And of those 24, 14 civil lawsuits have been filed. Um, he was presenting this to the Houston District Attorney, who can then take it in front of a grand jury, uh, where an indictment could happen. Uh, that has not happened yet. But guys, as this continues to be a daily story where the numbers uh, continue to mount, the, the number of women continue to come forward, it, it's hard to see where this ends with Deshaun Watson playing as normal in the NFL. No, and this 14th accuser calls him, quote unquote, a serial predator. I mean, as we've said, this escalates and escalates and escalates. And I think uh, the more people that come forward, the more um, freeing it is for other people who have allegations, uh, the more freeing it is for them to, to come forward feeling safety in, in numbers. Um, you know, the, the league yeah. can um, effectively put you, set you aside. What's the term I'm looking for? They have a special term for what they've done with some of these people, but they 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 put you on a kind of it's a commissioner's suspended, list. Yeah, the commissioner's exempt list, um, and that's where they've put some of these people. I think dating back to to Ray Rice, you know, as the commissioner's taken on this extra power, I would expect that's where he's got to land. The thing is, there's nowhere for him to be right now. And he was already intending not to show up to OTAs, and we don't know if OTAs are going to happen in person, if they're going to be virtual. Um, but I would think you unplug his Zoom, even, if he were going to be there. And it would, all of a sudden now he's going to want to be there when previously he had no interest in being there because he, maybe he's going to want to, to force some action. He should be sitting back and disappearing. Um, well, and, that's what he's done recently. Yeah, well, and, he's, and, but uh, he's also, I mean, well, he came out vehemently and denied it. Rusty Harden right says first he's going to say something this week. Is he still going to say something this week? Or He said in the coming days is what Rusty yeah. Harden said. Well, the details the are through uh, Bobby Durack at, at Outkick.com. He has the details of what Harden was saying for in representing Watson. If in these coming days people are saying things like he's a serial predator, I, look, I'm all for hearing from Deshaun Watson's side. Typically, in these legal situations, you do not hear from that person. It's not to their benefit, generally, to right. defend themselves publicly. Uh, it's, it's, it's to their benefit to be quiet and wait for the legal process to play out to some degree before they're heard from. Uh, I expect him on the commissioner's exempt list. I expect his football career to go into deep freeze and uh, for what was going to be the biggest football story to become the biggest legal story, it's already there. Um, and and I, I don't know well, it's, what happened. It's also, I would expect whatever statement is made to be very short and to the point through his lawyer. Another and basically denial. it's something like we look forward to our day in court and clearing our client's name or clearing my name. He'll issue a statement. There's not going to be... The way press that conference. initial press release read in that statement was, it's like he's going to meet with the media. He's going to stand up and hold a press conference and talk about everything and defend his name. That's not happening, especially now with 14 women. And we discussed this story a day after the first allegation, and then a couple of others were trickling in at that point. And it's one thing in the beginning when it's he said, she said, 
and Deshaun Watson is strongly denying anything and claiming this is a money grab. There was a six-figure settlement that was attempted by the lawyer. Busby was asked about it when he spoke, and he would not address it. He just said, we contacted his attorney a month and a half ago. So I'm sure that a, a settlement was discussed at that point. Um, I bet Deshaun Watson's probably looking back thinking now, I wish I would have gone with that settlement because this is probably something where he could have given. There's pretty small sums that a lot of these victims are asking for in this. This could have been something that through his attorney, they settled quickly and this never reached the light of day um, with this story. But now, guys, you've got it's one thing when it's he said, she said. And Deshaun Watson has this great reputation amongst players in the league, media, everyone, everyone who's ever known him or coached him. Great reputation, never heard anything about this. So it's one thing when it's he said, she said, and that's the case. Now it's 14 she saids versus one he said. So if this thing goes to a court, or I, I don't see it going that far, but if it does, this is a bad situation and for, for Deshaun Watson. There's, there's no way around it now. This is terrible 14 for him. civil cases. Busby seeing 24 women. And we haven't heard This from, is going to be a criminal case. We haven't heard right? from He's turned over the stuff to, yeah. to the Houston authorities. They made no comment on it. Surely they're reviewing that. How it doesn't become a criminal case, I, I, I can't imagine it wouldn't become a criminal case. What is being described right. in many of these instances is clearly criminal behavior, this most recent one with him, uh, you know, absolutely is, is criminal behavior. I don't understand why it's not a criminal charge first, but it's going to be a criminal charge. I don't understand why it wouldn't be a criminal charge. Um, and he's put himself in terrible position with terrible criminal behavior if the accusations are true. And there's still, guys, this, this element that just wants it to be um, some kind of conspiracy against him. A 14-person conspiracy against a guy in this day and age. You know, if somebody's up to something of that scale, there's no way it's kept a secret. All you have to do is, is think two seconds on all the conspiracy theories out there, and common sense will tell you there's no way no to way. buy into it. The first one that was floated out there was the uh, initially was the, the, the Houston Texans were doing this in order to keep him. So you're telling me the Houston Texans want to keep a four-year, what was it, $170 million contract? Yeah. They, they want their quarterback accused of sexual assault, and they want to, like, keep him on the roster? Uh, like, that's their idea? Or they want their trade commodity devalued before they trade him? Well, the, the, the idea sense. was they weren't going to trade him. They wanted to devalue his trade value so he wouldn't Which demand that, a trade. That would be the... So that, they want a serial predator Either, on either one is, is just plain stupid. It, it's such the a next-level chess allegation that you devalue a trade commodity because you really want to keep him, but in doing so... You're exposing him to possible problems from the NFL. <laughs> or, also, it's or the law. It makes no sense. Right. And so the the other one that was floated out there was that Busby is friends with the McNairs. He he lives in the same subdivision. Massive, not a subdivision. Division, uh, division. You know, the Max gated division. community. I'm sure. Well, where we live, this yeah. is not the same type of uh, neighborhood. But the he he said he he addressed that. He goes. He goes, I don't know Cal, Sal, whatever his name is. I, I wouldn't be able to pick him out of a lineup. Is it just because I live on the same road as him 
doesn't mean I'm friends with the guy. We have different tea times at the neighborhood course. I mean, of course I would never know this guy, Cal McNair. So uh, th there are a lot of different theories out there that people want to be true or th they just assume the worst with this. But the worst is this is going to get a lot uglier. That, that, that's the worst that as I continue to read through the story on a daily basis and the accusations being made, um, I, I just don't see how this ends with Watson not just playing for the Houston Texans in 2021, playing period. Yeah, he's not. It's hard to see this day. happening. It's hard to imagine how he's playing opening day. I mean, justice is going to have to move a lot faster than it usually. We were just talking about the pace of the NCAA and FBI stuff. I mean, this isn't uh, FBI level. This is uh, criminal and civil. But things don't move at at the rate of speed that you want them to move at if you're a football team concerned with getting a quarterback on the field. Plus, now the guy's toxic. And so, you know, we've seen teams put guys who are toxic on the field. Generally, they're not quarterback face of the franchise guys, though. And, you know, how do you justify it? You know, Carolina was desperate to get Deshaun Watson. But Carolina's trying to rewin a fan base, rebuild a program under new ownership. If you're David Tepper now, A, how do you justify acquiring him? Uh, for what it would cost, still a high and price, and, and then rolling him out as the new face of your franchise right. with these allegations hanging over his head. And, Paul, as you well know, that there have been players and will be players who are accused of things all the time that have been convicted of crimes that continue to play. So before you hit us up on Twitter, yeah, we, we acknowledge that. Yeah, Antonio Brown's playing. This, and he's got stuff hanging over his This head. continues to mount, though, to a level we I, I can't recall. I got... I don't Stack. recall 14 Stack individual women accusing an NFL quarterback of something like this in the past. No. This is, it's unprecedented. I mean, there's no way that he's not suffering some sort of, again, legal stuff aside, some sort of half-season, season-long suspension. I mean, it's going to be bad. Let's talk about this on a, on a different level. I, I think we've all done something, not on any level like this. But even as a kid, like when you did something that you were scared of your parents finding out about, where you had trouble falling asleep, or you woke up thinking, oh bleep, uh, mom and dad gonna, is today the day that I get burned for this? I, tell, I used to tell a story on our old radio show. I, I played with matches in, in a playhouse, a stone playhouse in the backyard of Danny Adler's house. The Adlers had 12 kids down at the end of the well, cul-de-sac. And I got busted by Mrs. Adler. And she said, Paul Kuharski, you go home and tell your parents you were playing with matches. And I went home and did what any good kid would do. I answered the phone every time it rang and I hung it up, <laughs> making sure that Mrs. Adler did not tell my parents that I was playing with matches. <laughs> now, how long did my fear last of Mrs. Adler telling my parents in lieu of me following her directions to tell my parents? This is a dumb comparison, but I had that fear, and I was six, right? This fear. So how long did Deshaun Watson go to bed and wake up thinking, oh, crap, like what if something... I would think no matter what your state of mind is and how messed up you are, if you've got some chain of guilt going on, that you know, you have to know inherently unless you're a psychopath, right? I don't that think he thought wrong. about it at all. That there's a potential that today is the day that I am going, an accuser is going to step forward and my world could potentially unravel today. 
You don't think there's any of that? I don't think he thought. I any, think those I don't people think he are scared Everything every day. he was doing was wrong. I think he thought I am going after these attractive women on Instagram that I like. It's worked the first couple times I did it. I'm going to send him direct messages. I'm Deshaun Watson. I'll get away with it. I'll present what you I think want to them. Dumb enough not if to they, think it's if wrong. If they don't want it, if they don't want it, then they can say no, and I'll leave the room and pay them more and just say, don't tell anyone about this. But if this. he's unzipping and rubbing and himself keep, against somebody against their will, on. he doesn't I, think I that's don't wrong? Think, again, I don't think he's thinking it's against their will. I, I, I think this is a thing with people when you get Power. to this status that you're not thinking that they don't want it. I mean, look, again, I'm not saying he's not in the wrong. Clearly he is with 14 accusers, but I just don't think he he's thinking he did anything wrong. Now, here's what I would be thinking if I were him. If my M.O. for attracting these masseuses that I'm going to make sexual advances towards was hitting up strangers on Instagram DM, there are so many more out there that there could be a story at Vanity Fair with every female masseuse across America who has a direct message from Deshaun Watson. Some of them maybe didn't even respond or maybe responded a little bit. It got weird and they walked. I mean, there's... 14 accusers right now, possibly 10 more. How many DMs did he send? Hundreds at least, right? My mind would immediately go to, well, how many more of those are out there? The one woman produced the direct messages, right? There's got to be more of that. What do you think of the fear thing? You you think you with him or with me? I'm more in in line with Chad. I I think uh, what he's probably in fear of now is how many more will come forward Now. now. But you, know, you don't he, think before anybody surfaced there was any fear no. that someday I'm going to get in trouble for this? No, I I don't. God, I, don't I get can't that even. Sense at all. I can't even. I don't think that he thinks anything he's doing is wrong. I think he he believes totally consensual. I'm Deshaun Watson. Of course they want this. And then if they don't, and I'm adamant about wanting it, and they say no, it'll be like the first accusation. I'll get up and say sorry, but don't tell anyone, or I'll ruin your career, and then leave the room. I can't even get my head to to. To that place. What he's feeling right now, though, I've thought about this. He, he's feeling what some coaches out there are feeling when they learned that Will Wade was on a wiretap. Oh, oh yeah. who was listening in on my conversation? What did I tell Christian Dawkins? I got to start patting star people down. Power forward. <laughs> I got to start patting people down when they come in my office. Uh, Surely, no, it was a, a wire. Can you pat that guy down before he it comes phone, into the meeting? It was meeting? a phone call. It, was phone it wasn't call. a wire. Oh, it was a phone yeah, call. Yeah, yeah. FBI was tapped in to his yeah, phone yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. Even, even harder. You can't do a anything, lot of man. coaches <laughs> that, that worried about what they had said. Shirley, can you get me some burner phones? <laughs> yeah, ten, coaches ten immediately ten. are tendering their resignation just to have it on file and ready for whenever that, that drops. We have a lot to get to coming up in the Tennessee Power Hour. I named my secretary Shirley. Then. Yeah. Sa- uh, Sammy Watkins, is he going to be a Tennessee Titan? We'll discuss that. One former Titan is now a highly paid New York Giant. A.J. Boye is a player that Paul Kuharski says the Titans should be looking at to replace Adoree Jackson. Also, what are the Titans getting in Josh Reynolds, their new wide receiver? All of that and more straight ahead. Plus, we should bring up there's an assistant coach at Tennessee that's now a head coach in college basketball. It's OutKick 360 on the OutKick Network. 